0: Hi there, this is Stefan Burchard. And if you want to learn the six and seven figure science of success, significantly increase your revenue, and learn how to successfully build professional relationships, you should be listening to the Sell Without Selling podcast with my good friend, Stacey O'Byrne.
1: And now, here is your host, Stacy O'Byrne.
2: Hey, welcome back to another episode of Sell Without Selling. I'm your host, Stacey O'Byrne, and I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. Today, I'm speaking with a very dear friend of mine and a very valued client, Stefan Burchard. Stefan Burchard is known as the Desert Bowtie Realtor. 2021 was a stellar year for Stefan. First, he received the 2021 Realtor of the Year Award from the California Desert Association Realtors, citing his volunteer leadership and positive impact. And as if that wasn't enough, he began working as an associate broker at Platinum Star Properties. These achievements didn't happen without many years of hard work, dedication, and thinking outside the box. Before arriving in the desert, Stefan ran a successful owner-operated mortgage and real estate company in the Bay Area. In 2010, he arrived in the desert community of Palm Springs and fell in love. It is Palm Springs' natural beauty and versatility that Stefan says keeps him falling in love with the Coachella Valley every day. Stefan knows the best way to build a vibrant business in any community is to grow a supercharged professional and business network. His network grew exponentially when he started his second B&I group, this time in Palm Springs. He also became involved with multiple chambers of commerce and other business organizations. Stefan hit the ground running and hasn't looked back. He then stepped up his involvement in realtor associations at all levels, local, state, and national. He serves as a director, chair, or participant on multiple committees and task forces at all levels. Currently, Stefan is a director of both the California Desert Association of Realtors and the California Association of Realtors. He is very proud of the advocacy work he's done for the preservation of private property rights. His this involvement allows. Currently, Stefan serves on the architectural review committee for the city of Cathedral City and Cathedral City Planning Department. He is completing his third year in this role and reports that he enjoys contributing to the city in which he lives. These leadership roles have Boosted Stefan's credibility rating with businesses and the real estate industry. Stefan's involvement with local realtor, business, and civic communities gives him knowledge, enhancing his understanding of the factors that affect real estate, homeownership, and private property rights. Stefan's dedication to being his best self as a professional real estate broker benefits his clients and referral partners because he is acutely aware of nuances of the Coachella Valley market. Stefan knows his leadership and advocacy, volunteerism, and amazing referral network provide him with valuable connections and services to his clients and referral partners. Working with Platinum Star Properties allows him the freedom to work independently of office and staff enabling him to give his clients superior service. I am so excited for you to hear our conversation today. I believe that learning the art and the science of how to sell without selling is the only way to achieve high six and seven figure success. And before we dive into it really quick, if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, or sales professional, and you haven't hit the level of success that you've wanted or needed, Or if you're stuck and needing a pivot in your business and your success, or you just want more and you understand the importance of having a coach to help identify the blind spots, increase accountability and help with success strategies to take you, your business, your success, your bank account and your life to the next level. If this sounds like something for you, then head over to pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. That's pivotpointadvantage.com slash I want success. There's a quick application there that we'll see if we're a great fit for each other. All right, let's do this. Stefan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, you know, I have had the pleasure of getting to know you over the course of time and, you know, between working together and getting to know each other and having phone calls. And I have to tell you, I'm very blessed you're in my life. And I really want our listeners to get to know the Stefan that I know. So, what got you into entrepreneurism? (laughs) Funny.
0: Um, I was a tried and true W 2 employee for years. Mm -hmm. I got ejected from the IT industry in the early 2000s when the dot bomb hit the Bay Area. Yeah. I like to say I got into entrepreneurship kicking and screaming. <laughs> I did not think I could do sales is what I thought. I did not think I could do this. And um, I kind of inched along. It was a very challenging time in my life. And the universe threw me into being an entrepreneur. And I just kind of figured it out along the way. hmm
2: mm-hmm. So Kicking and Screaming, was your first opportunity from W-2 to real estate? Pretty much. I
0: was in the process, I started in 2000, getting my real estate broker's license. At the time, my partner and I, he was a loan officer. I was a W-2 employee. And because of my degree, I could go straight for broker's license. The idea was we were going to create a company and he could get 100% of the commission. And that was the path we were on. I was in the process of achieving that. And then boom, the dot bomb
2: happened. Gotcha, gotcha. So moving from being a W2 to this world of no nets, no safety net. And, and let's face it, the, the W2 world, it, it is a world of false safety nets, right?
3: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Moving into this, you know, one of the positives, and I think one of the things that I see people struggle with the most is moving from the structure. You know, when you're, when you're a W2 employee and you have a boss, people tell you what to do, how to do it, when to do it. They lay out the expectations. When you jump off this cliff and become a forced entrepreneur, a reluctant entrepreneur, a struggling entrepreneur, uh, or any other adjective that that can that can lead into being an entrepreneur, there isn't that framework to step into. Was it easy for you? Did you just step in and go, ta-da, I'm here? Or was it like a two by four upside the head?
0: It was definitely a two by so, a two by four up aside the back of the head, not the front, the side, the back of the head, because <laughs> That's where it gets my attention is boom, you know, like that. (laughs) Um, I had to learn to create structure. I had to wallow without the structure and be unsuccessful for a minute and realize, hey, I thrive structure. I work the best on structure. And then I started to create structure around me, you know, a schedule Mm -hmm. and task list. That was my beginning.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. So did you go right from having a cushy income right into creating a cushy income, or was it an uphill climb?
0: It was definitely an uphill climb. I, uh, like I said, I was in an IT industry. I was making uh, very close to six figures at that time. That was a lot of money back in the early 2000s and my business partner was doing loans we maybe had a little bit of a cushion so it was just boom here you go dude Mm -hmm. so it was definitely an uphill battle i had to learn how to present myself as a realtor i had to learn how to navigate Not just the real estate industry. I was the broker for the mortgage company. I had to run the company. I had to create the company. I had to do all the legal documentation, all of that stuff. And I was just doing it by the seat of my pants. Mm -hmm. I did not have the benefit of a strategist like you or a coach or somebody I could tap and ask questions. So I would go do research. And back then, the internet was very, very, very new. Mm -hmm. So I would do research and find somebody else's
2: example and then make it my own, you know, mm-hmm.
0: R&D, as we call it.
2: <laughs> yeah. R&D in my industry is rip off and duplicate. Yeah. <laughs> so so let's let's go back to something that you just said, because I'd really like to, one, point it out to our listeners and to maybe help create a shift right now. So. Back in early 2000s, six figures wasn't necessarily a lot of money. However, it could have been a lot of money at that time based on your imprint, right? Based on the program that you had running. I say that because during the dot-com boom, I mean, people were making seven figures overnight just because they showed up right um six figures back in the 70s was a lot of money six figures in the 80s became well in southern california became the norm in the bay area that was kind of minimum wage i jokingly say and um your imprint the program that ran about money made the attainment of six figures Uh, an achievement, because Mm -hmm. it was, I'll say in air quotes, a lot of money, a lot is nothing more than a comparative. And when we announce a comparative, our unconscious mind can't tell the difference between truth or fantasy. So it believes it. So then it kind of sets a bar. And in today's world, you know, a producing realtor can make very high six-figure income, and that's normal and comfortable for a producing agent, right? Correct. So let's talk about your relationship with money and work Hmm. growing up, right? Because we model our parents, we get imprinted by our parents, we learn about money from them, right? So what, what, what was money like for you? What was work ethics and the work environment like for you when you were growing up?
0: You really want me to get vulnerable, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> um, money was always a struggle. Mm-hmm. Mom and dad before the divorce fought about money. So I immediately had a negative imprint about money. You know, money is bad. People fight about money. After the separation, uh, mom raised the three of us on her income, with some child support. I'll say um, she always said it wasn't enough. So the the imprint was always there's not enough, there's not enough, there's not enough. And I had a lot of stories that I was hearing from both parents. Uh, the stories I heard about Dad is he made a lot of money. He made bank, and he should be giving us more. And then Dad would say, "Mom spent too much," and just lots and lots of conflict around money. And yep. you know, you're 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 really getting me present to this fact <laughs> at the moment. Just how strong of an imprint that was has mm-hmm. been up mm-hmm. until recently. Yep. Um, wow. Yeah, a lot of negative programming imprinting.
2: So I, I wanted to point this out to our listeners and kind of double dip and point it out to you, you had broke through a lot of it this past year. However, I, I wanted our listeners to really see and hear how powerful programming is, how powerful imprinting is, because, you know, when, when, I hear someone say, wow, that's a lot of money. The very first thing that comes to my mind is compared to what, right? Because money is nothing more than an exchange of energy. And you never hear someone say, wow, that's too much energy. Unless of course it's directed to the toddler that's had sugar and is bouncing off the walls, right? (laughs) Usually when it comes to the application of energy, to the ethereal-based concept of what energy is, energy is this abundant flow, right? It's everywhere. Everything is energy, yes? Yes. And if the actual concept of money is nothing more than an exchange of energy, then doesn't that mean that money is abundant? now what we see as a kid what we see growing up what we hear growing up what those are how those arguments make us feel right and what those arguments make us think about then shifts the concept the ethereal concept of money just being an exchange of energy and then traps it all into this program money money makes love fight money hurts people money upsets people, money is hard, and I can go on and on, right? We don't know how that little brain that hears it stores it. And then when it stores it, we don't know the program it writes to deploy it. So you have done an immense amount of work on this over the course of the past year. If memory serves me properly, you almost, almost tripled your income last year. Is that accurate?
0: Compared to the previous year, it was technically doubled
2: doubled okay was it more than doubled or or was it just doubled? Yeah, a little bit more than doubled a little bit more than doubled okay so when we when we start making shifts on our programs right everything around us starts shifting and for our listeners, I hope you hop on the YouTube and watch watch Stefan really process this because He's just had some massive realizations, and I don't think we've seen anything yet. I think this year, now that he's had this realization about how, even though he broke through some of those money barriers, what really happens? We don't know what we know until it exposes ourselves. And sometimes when it exposes itself to us, we still don't know what it means, which is why we call them blind spots, right? So... Moving forward, moving forward, what inspires you to be the best of the best out there?
0: I would say that concept began back in my 20s when I started getting involved with new thought movement and metaphysics and Mm -hmm. personal growth and the the joy, the rapture, that feeling as you grow of oh my goodness, just feeling like a better person. When I was in real estate first time back in the early two thousands, I was not growing. I was not expanding. I was not except for starting a BNI chapter. I really wasn't growing that much. I was participating with Landmark Education, but I wasn't applying it professionally. This time, I, I get involved. I I, I I felt I found that same joy, that same feeling of personal fulfillment by being involved at the state level, at the local level, at the national level, being involved with chambers of commerce, the city. And I just got so much joy out of that. Not because I wanted to get patted on the back, because honestly, I mean, yeah, that's nice, but I'm doing it because it's who I am. (laughs) I am a leader. I am a contributor. I am a giver. And to try to be anything other than that is inauthentic. And when I'm not being that, I suffer. I get depressed. I get angry. The anger is nasty. Um, And it's just simply because I'm being inauthentic. And in this conversation with you, I'm really getting millions of insights, which is wonderful. And for me, it's just that joy of fulfillment, if I try to stop for a minute and not grow, it doesn't work. I I start to feel that stagnant feeling. And then it starts to get all walled up inside. And so I have to read things that expand my mind. I have to do things that allow me to grow and expand. That's why I'm involved with um, education with NLP and, and coaching with you. Is it's continuing to stretch me. Does it hurt at times? Oh, frick, yes. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it, it's like it, the image that just came to mind is that balloon growing hmm. and expanding and expanding and expanding and expanding. And is it uncomfortable? Well, you, sometimes you can hear the rubber actually stretching as it gets more air in it. Um, that's kind of how I feel sometimes is it's just but I know, I know what's on the other side of it because I've lived it so many times in my short time on this planet. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that answered the question. It <laughs>
2: totally did and, and I truly appreciate it. So, so you know, one of the things that I, uh, I absolutely love about working with you is your openness to get curious and explore. You know, success is a culmination of a deployment of a multitude of concepts. One, self-belief. Two, our mindset, our programming, our self-worth. Three, our ability to communicate with ourself, which then opens up the door for our ability to communicate, connect, and become relatable to other people. And then our skill sets, a plan, and then deployment and action on that plan, right? So I remember our first conversation you know, you got really curious about what's this NLP thing. And then through the course of that conversation, you shifted it to coaching.
3: So I did. I thought
2: you did. (laughs) Oh no, 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 no. you shifted it. You started asking me about coaching. Oh my God. I know. And I didn't know. It's so funny because I didn't know if you were interested in NLP or interested in coaching or interested in both. Oh, that's hysterical. I I think at that time, and and this is what's so important for people to remember, is our unconscious mind learns faster than people can speak. Yeah. And that we can consciously process. So I think what happened was you and I were talking and your unconscious mind's like, wait, I heard something. Let's go this direction for a minute. Mm-hmm. So then you started asking questions about coaching. I started answering it. And, it's, and, and, and I, listeners, I want you to hear this. As a service solution provider, I got confused. I was like, I'm not really sure what he wants now. Does he want NLP? Does he want coaching? And for those of you that have been listening to this show now, you know, for a couple of years, you know, I've never been an either or person. I've always been a both because I know how important coaching is. It serves its purposes and areas. And I know how important trainings are because they serve their purposes in other areas. And then the two together make magic happen. Now, if memory serves me properly, both was outside of Stefan's budget at the time. And there was this conflict because now he unconsciously wanted both, consciously saw the value in both and started, what do I do? What do I do? And I remember that pivotal question. You said, which one do you think I should do? And that's when my answer came out Stefan, I can't answer that only you can, because I've never been an either or, and I've always been a both. And I always figure out how to make it happen. I can't speak that reality for you. So then you moved to starting with coaching. And then six weeks later, I guess you're the itty bitty shitty committee started throwing a fit. I want NLP. I want NLP. I want NLP. You enrolled in NLP too. So I'm bringing this up because I want our listeners to hear two things. One, when your perspective client shifts gears on you, it may be because you said something that intrigued their unconscious mind. The rule of sales is sell them what they want, give them what they need. That's the rule of sales. Now, when you have a multitude of product services and solutions that fit their bill, they don't know what they need. They only know what they want. You as the solution provider need to be flexible to understand your perspective client well enough to be able to create a fluid conversation. This is why, in my humble opinion, sales scripting doesn't work. When someone always says, tell me what to say, tell me what to say. My feedback to that is I can't because that takes out the dynamics of the conversation and the human person. So, you as a realtor this is the the other thing that i want people to see prospective clients don't always know what they want and they don't always know what they need they just understand or they realize what their problem is they may not understand their problem they just know they're presenting problem stefan's a realtor right how Confused? Do prospective clients come to realtors? You know, they want thirty-two acres with a Beverly Hills pool in the backyard. They want they want the the ocean in the front yard and the desert in the backyard, right? <laughs> they just they kind of have this vision of everything they want, and it may not be realistic for what it is they're looking for, right? Correct. And typically someone in Stefan's position, they're kind of like a therapist. So they're a contractual legal advisor. Mm -hmm. They are someone that finds either homes or buyers or both. They're someone who negotiates both with you and your spouse and with the other side. Mm -hmm. And they really fill that, I'll say in air quotes, therapy role because this is like typically one of the largest purchases in someone's life, which then we talked about money triggers earlier right? (laughs) Which then triggers them and starts the nitpicking and the arguing and the emotions and the stress. And let's just add moving and money to it. So as someone who is viewed as a salesperson that actually holds many hats, how do you deal with that stuff? (laughs)
3: Well,
0: as you said already, you preframed is no script
2: Mm -hmm.
0: in sales. When I first started this years ago, I like I said, I did it by the seat of my pants. I've always been a communicator. I've always been a good writer. I've always been a good connector. Hmm. It took me until this time around to realize, wow, this is a huge asset. If I put this up front, make that connection get that report get that trust then they're going to listen to my industry knowledge they're going to listen to my experience as a mortgage broker i used to do what they do i know what they do i know the, i know the curtains they're going to try to pull on you Mm -hmm. i can help walk you through that process i know when somebody comes to me with a rental I ask a few questions, just like you do with coaching. I ask a few questions and boom, I know they can, they can buy a house. Or if they come to me for a commercial deal and the same thing, I need to find a space to lease. Well, okay, well, how many years you've been in business? Oh, great. And you have reserves and oh, great. What's your credit look like? Oh, do you realize you could actually buy a building? Huh? really? Well, yeah, let's get you in talking to a banker. Let's mm-hmm. find out. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the connection. Yes, there's lots of scripts out there. I read them because it goes in. And sometimes I don't really use them. For me, it's like you said, they come to you for what they want and we give them what they need. Mm
3: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: I can't find what they need if I don't ask questions. Correct. People come to me and like you said, they want the castle. And it's like, okay, great. No problem. Well, what did your lender say? <laughs> and even when somebody knows what that dollar figure is, and they still want all of these things, I've just learned with years, I don't negate it. I don't tell them no. I give them two options. I say, okay, well, I'm going to send you a search with all of these things you that you want without a dollar figure, just so you can get an idea what it costs on the market.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And when they compare that, and then I send them another one with my minute criteria, but a dollar amount, what, they, what it says they can afford. They're, they're the ones that have to deal with the conflict, not me.
3: Yeah.
0: I just show them, oh, my God, look at how much, I, you know, you're 150000 above what you can afford based on your desires. So they have to reconcile that in themselves. I just provide information. It, uh, the, the, the MLS and the data is out there. Yeah, Yeah. my role is to connect, to communicate, to negotiate, and to go out and grab the data and present it. Mm. That's what I do. I grab data. I'm not a magician. The data is out there. Anybody can get it. Yeah. I mean, a consumer has access to this data as well. Yeah. I've just done the presentation and the communication a number of times. So it's very natural and fluid and easy for me.
2: So I want to shift gears because you are brilliant in relationships, in networking, in connecting. Congratulations on all those awards you got last year. So I, I, I want to talk about a few things. One, I want to start with your branding. You have really created an image for yourself, a brand for yourself, being known now as the Desert Bowtie Realtor, right? Yes. So what has this brand identity done for you? And how did you come up with it? (laughs) I didn't
0: come up with it by the seat of my pants. (laughs) I, Back when I started this go-around in entrepreneurship, I somebody talked in a BNI meeting about branding, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, I can come up with that. But I already knew I was my brand, Stefan Bouchard.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So Stefan Bouchard Real Estate got created. Around the same time, I was getting involved with the associations, and I just I did not like the way people dressed. They, I mean, out here in the desert, people are a little bit more casual. I get it. That's okay. Um, no, 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 no negativity towards people that want to dress really casual. Mm -hmm. I personally want to dress a little bit more professionally Mm -hmm. and I want to temper that because we're in the desert a buddy of mine wore a bow tie one time to a marketing meeting and he he didn't have the glasses but he definitely had the nerdy look and I was like god that's really cute let's give it a try oh my god the reception I got with the bow tie was amazing so people were like oh my god oh my god Back then you could actually buy bow ties at Ross and TJ Maxx and Burlington. So now they just have the pre-tied kind.
3: Mm-hmm. So
0: that meant the bow tie got pulled into my icon, my my logo. So that's where the bow tie in my logo came from and it took off from there. I just I like it the 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 one benefit I love the most about wearing the bow tie is it makes people smile.
3: Mm.
0: And I think when people smile, it softens their heart. It softens their defenses a little bit. And I did not realize that when I first started creating that, I just was like, Hey, the glasses, the bow tie, the nerd, it's great. I'm a dork. It's perfect. It's, it's my image. So I ran with it. I was in a commercial certification course where the desert bow tie realtor came from, or at least the uh, slogan taking the knots out of real estate.
3: So I that- like that.
0: Yeah. So uh, we, we were talking about um, HomeSmart had uh, my previous company, for those of you that don't know, um, they had they called it real estate made fun and easy. And I like that. In this commercial course, they were talking about your value proposition is I can sell your uh, your property in the, the least amount of time for the most amount of money with the least amount of hassle. And that was kind of like the value proposition all at once. And I'm like, gosh, how can I bring that together with fun and easy? And And somebody said, hey, dude, you wear a bow tie. You're taking the knots out of real estate. I'm like, oh, my God, I'm stealing that. He said, yeah, fine, go for it. (laughs) So that's kind of where the slogan and all that came from. That probably was four to five years ago when that really got gelled. So I realized that, A, the brand is something that's malleable. It's Mm -hmm. not set in stone. It's not like, here's your brand, and it can never change. It needs to evolve with me. I learned the thing about the smiling over time. I love when I, uh, I dress like this and I go to a restaurant and people compliment it. You know, people don't dress like this out in the desert.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And when somebody wears a suit and a tie, they look a little stuffy.
2: Yeah.
0: They look a bit much, even in the commercial sector, in the luxury sector, you do not see people wearing a suit and tie out here. You'll see them wear a jacket, but no tie. They'll have on a beautiful dress shirt. I want to wear a tie. I think it's, I think it's nice, but I want it to be down. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it evolved over time. And I've pulled it into my marketing. I've pulled it into, it just, it was so easy once that became, it's, it's me. The brand is me. It's my persona. T- taking the knots out of real estate. It's who I am. I make things easy. You know, I, I explain things, I, I connect people. So it, it, it has these tendrils and it wasn't something that I, with a brand specialist thought up overnight.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. It evolved and it, it, it grew into what it is now.
2: I love that. So moving from branding to now you're out there, you're networking you're becoming even more memorable because of the brand identity platform you're standing on, right? So how has networking, how has getting out there, being seen, heard, found, differentiating yourself from your competition because of your brand platform and you know, of course other strategies and your deliverables, how has networking really helped you?
0: Networking is about building relationships and connecting Mm
2: -hmm.
0: for me. And obviously there's the benefit of giving and receiving business for each other. However, I love to connect with people. I love to relate to people. I'm an introvert when I need to recharge, I need to, you know, crawl into my room and read, but I love
3: to connect with people.
0: So networking, when I realized that piece and, that, and stopped trying to make it about business and getting business and just connecting with people, it became more fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the bow tie, it's again, it's it's one of those unintended benefits because of the bow tie. People remember me, you know, that there's a bazillion realtors everywhere in, in the United States, especially in California. And I stand out. I didn't mean to necessarily stand out with the bow tie, but it has become that. Mm-hmm. So when I tell people if they if somebody's having a problem c- connecting Stefan Burchard, then just say, hey, just tell them the dude with the bow tie and they'll they'll know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> I love that that people can, you know, name drop and say, mm-hmm. you know, the desert bow realtor or the guy or that realtor with the bow tie. That's mm-hmm. all you gotta say. And people. It's become u- ubiquitous with me out here. And I like that. It's, as you know, when I go to trainings, I say, if I'm in the public and if I'm in a semi business mode, guess what? I'm going to have a bow tie on.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. People remember me because of the bow tie. And I've seen that by being, you know, going to the state business meetings. Of course, I'm in business mode, but people remembered me. So mm-hmm.
3: Mm-hmm. then I
0: went out and do other classes and trainings, same thing. And yeah. what I tell people, they say, God, do you always wear a bow tie? I said, here's the deal. If I'm in business mode, guess what? I'm in a bow tie.
3: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And
0: when I'm educating myself to expand my business and grow myself, to me, that's business mode. Yeah, absolutely. So
2: all of my trainings with you this past year, I wore a bow tie. Yeah, well, you, you follow your brand and your brand follows you. Everywhere you go, there you are, right? Yeah. So why do you think so many struggle. I ask because the statistics, the statistics are, are so against people making it. Yeah. Like 97% don't. And to me, that statistic is so astounding. And I also think it becomes a choice. The, choi- the, the choice as to which side of the equation you're going to fall on. Because I would love to see it be 97% make it, 3% don't. Yeah. However, it's kind of reversed right now and I'd love to see it shift quickly over time. So why do you think so many struggle? Why do you think so many don't make it?
0: Number one, mindset. They don't believe in themselves. They're, and number two, they're not being, they're not being congruent with who they are. So many people, myself included in the past up until recently, will go out there and try to find a formula or a script or a recipe, let's say, and they want to follow that recipe to the letter and then it doesn't work. Well, that doesn't work yet. What I learned was take those recipes, take what's good about them, make it mine, and then use that And trial and error. I would make mistakes. I would learn from the mistakes, so I didn't do that again. Mm-hmm. I would educate myself. Um, you, we, we say in NLP, in, in there is no such thing as failure. There's, you know, it's just learnings. I just think people, they're they're not being true to themselves first. And they're not cultivating that mindset. So Mm -hmm. they want to go into entrepreneurship. However, they're not doing the personal growth. They're not doing the professional development. They're not doing what they need to do to expand themselves and grow themselves so that they're a better person first and foremost, and then a better professional secondary. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Uh, That's just, I, I see it so often. For me, it's always just... They don't believe in themselves, and they're trying to fulfill somebody else's idea of success or who they are supposed to be. Whether it's a spouse, whether it's a parent, whether it's another colleague, they're just—they're not being true to themselves. Mm -hmm. And that's, in my opinion, why people fail. They're—they're just—they're not—they're not marching to their own drum. There you go.
2: I like that. So, shift gears again. Okay, how how has coaching and training helped you because doubling your business in a year is pretty exciting and it's also a a preface of what's to come. Yeah. Because the hardest thing to do is get a boulder to move. Not that I'm referring to you as a boulder. It's just it's 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 starting out that initial momentum, right? So the fact that we doubled in a year says that what's to come is insane, so buckle up, babe. <laughs> How has coaching and training? First, it was
0: a kick in the butt. Hmm. Um, I was doing coaching with the previous organization, but they really only coached their methodology. They did not coach the mindset. They did not coach, you know, what's inside me. I, I kept telling them, I want you to kick my butt, and they wouldn't. So I got involved with you because of, it's not only the success strategy that you've done extremely well with, but the NLP training. So I just got, just came along. And what I've learned in my time with you is I just need to shut the F up and trust the process. That's what happened with the NLP process of going through the education was, as I said earlier in the podcast, I was I, I enjoy it when I grow. I love when I grow. So with you, I get that on a week-to-week basis. <laughs> with the NLP training, it was over a six, seven-month period. Mm-hmm. Um, now I'm at a point where it's like, I know I, I'm going to struggle to get where I want to be.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm going to struggle to get where you're saying I can go if I try to do it With this, Mm. I did the NLP training and I'm following you and I'm trusting you as my coach because you have had phenomenal success. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling my husband this. He's like, Oh my God, that's such an investment. And I'm like, Yeah, I know. And too bad. (laughs) This is what I need to do and buckle up. I tell him the same thing you tell me buckle up. You know, this is going to shift, this is going to change, this is all going to evaporate in a year maybe two, but it'll, it'll be gone. It, I, I trust the process. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think what a lot of people may have a challenge doing with coaching and education processes. They can't let go of their own garbage, their own programming in order to become something more. Mm -hmm. God, did I say that? (laughs) So I'm holding your hand as a coach,
3: Mm -hmm.
0: as a teacher, as, as my NLP trainer, I'm just soaking it all up. Mm -hmm.
3: Mm -hmm.
0: Now I'm in this space because we just finished trainers training in November and then we had the holidays. So I, some regards, I feel like I'm just beginning that journey after all the training. Mm -hmm. So, wow. Uh, It makes sense that I'm having the dance, I call it, in my head that I've been having over the last couple of weeks mm-hmm. because I'm just now, oh, okay, let's get down to business.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm having, it's just interesting.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I want to touch on a few things you said, you know, the, the previous organization that you were working with, it, it was kind of like coaching in a box. This is what you do. It's one size fits all. And, you know, we we know that when we go try on clothes, one size doesn't fit all. Well, coaching is the same way. I refer to it as cookie cutter coaching. You know, uh, when I say I'm a success strategist, it's because I focus on the whole package holistically because the personal drives the professional so that the professional can serve the personal. So yes, we have to absolutely work on mindset and communication and strategies, and we have to have those type of conversations. Also, it's the nuts and bolts of business, right? And you can't put the the carriage before the horse because the horse will always pull the carriage. And your workhorse is your computer operating system, also known as your mind. The other thing that um, that I I'd like to touch on this this lull that that you're having you know we went dark for the holidays, um, so you had this three week window of just coming off of the biggest training of the year, moving into the holidays. And then from there coming out into the new year, three weeks is a long time to go dark, right? Okay. And, and that's fine. We, the boulder hasn't stopped. The boulder's still moving. We just get to push it a little bit more so it moves a little faster now, right? A lot of people, and this is normal for entrepreneurs, a lot of people go into holiday hibernation, right? That holiday hibernation, that doesn't mean that they stop, it just means that they slow down. Some people stop.
3: Yeah.
2: Some people stop and, and kid themselves that they're, I'll say in air quotes, working. Others just do busy work. And others really just kind of put it in park and kick back. And there's no right or wrong. It's what's right for you as long as you're real about it. Yeah. It's when you start manifesting the stories and start believing the stories that it creates future problems right so yeah you know i think and 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 touching on one other point you made i also don't think people allow themselves to get past price points you know they see coaching or training as an expense coaching and trainees should always be an investment because if you're focused in the right coaching program, if you're focused in the right training programs, then you're going to get a return on investment in it. I, I would say doubling your income. And it wasn't even a full year. You know, I think it, it's been, um, six seven months give or take maybe maybe eight months something like that i don't think it's been a full year so if you can double your income in that period of time to me it's become the investment i i really really want people to take a look at what their development strategy is right absolutely People invest in hardware, laptops, cell phones, iPads, right? People invest in software, programs, apps. People spend or invest their time. People spend or invest their money. And if you truly truly want to build a business, then treat it like a business. If you truly want to build an expensive hobby, then don't treat it like a business. And that's where the 97% come from right now, in my humble opinion. Yeah. So, Stefan, welcome to the signature question of the show. And that is, what does sell without selling mean to you? I may have touched on this in the last
0: few minutes we've been talking. Mm -hmm. For me, sell without selling is about connecting with people. Really connecting with people. And in that connection, you build that trust, that rapport. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Once you have that rapport and that trust, the rest is easy.
3: Mm.
0: You, you, You have... I have my solutions and people come to me with their desires. Mm -hmm. As long as I build that trust, I can take them on that journey. I can sometimes take them where they don't think they can go. Mm -hmm. So, and I can be confident in who I am if I've taken the time to connect.
2: Hmm. Awesome. Thank you for that. So Stefan, welcome to the random realm. I believe that success leaves clues, and I like to ask questions to our expert guests so that our listeners can extract things and go, you know what, I really like that, and apply to their own life. So I have two questions for you. First one, what's your morning ritual look like?
0: (laughs) I get up pretty early. And the first thing we, I do is drink a little bit of water before I work out, Mm -hmm. work out. um, Thanks to COVID, I've fallen in love with Apple fitness. Mm -hmm. So I work out and then I do my morning ritual of getting clean and dressed. And then I meditate. I meditate and pray before I start my day.
2: Mm, That's beautiful.
0: To me, those are important to take care of my physical and my spiritual needs first Mm -hmm. before I step into work.
2: Yeah, I love that. Thank you. Last random round question. And that is, what is your favorite word and why? (laughs) In my head is abundance. Mm.
0: Abundance is so much more than money. Yes. And that's where I'm at in my, in my life right now is just really remembering. And you said something early in the podcast about money is an exchange of energy. And I was getting this insight at the same time you said that, that if I'm only concerned about what can I do, what can I give, what can I give, what can I give on a daily basis, calls, notes, connecting, networking, all of that, give, 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 energy, energy, energy out. Oh, the energy is gonna come back to me.
2: Yeah, I agree.
0: It's gonna show up the way it needs to show up. Yep. It's not my job to worry about that. And I have been recently, up until the past up yeah, up until recently. Mm-hmm. So abundance, it's it's everywhere. And just connecting with
2: that, it's comforting. I love that. Stefan, I truly appreciate you taking the time and coming on our show. If our listeners want to find you, follow you, reach out to you, because we all know Palm Springs is gorgeous. Coachella Valley is beautiful. It's a great place to have. If you live in Southern California, a great place to have a second home. It's a great place to have a rental. It's a great place to live. It's beautiful up there. So if if our listeners want to find you, follow you, reach out to you, connect with you, how can they?
0: Very easy. My name is in the description here Stefan Burchard Real Estate on all social media platforms, including YouTube or myname.com, StefanBurchard.com.
2: Great. Thank you. Your success is important to me. And it's also important to me to make sure that these episodes are valuable to you. I would love for you to do a few things right now. I'd love for you to hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. That's hop over to Instagram and follow us at Pivot Point Advantage. Second, I'd love it if you'd head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. That's head over to Facebook and join our Sell Without Selling community. We have an immense amount of interaction on both platforms. We also share different information on both platforms. So we look forward to seeing you there. Last and definitely not least, I'd love to chat with you, give feedback on the episodes, and find out any topics that you're interested in to help make this podcast more powerful and helpful to you achieving the success you've always dreamed of, desired, and deserved. Head over to pivotpointadvantage.com talk to stacy That's pivotpointadvantage.com talk to stacy Let's get a 15-minute call on the schedule. I look forward to getting to know you.